Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi, Richard and Linda Ayer again, another episode of Ayers on the Road, broadcasting today from a winter wonderland up in the Rocky Mountains, but on our way to New York City for Christmas and to talk to some great parents there in New York, and we're thinking hard this week about maybe the greatest challenge of parents at Christmas time, and that is weaning the kids away a little from all the frantic commotion about getting and what's Santa bringing and what am I going to get, and shifting it a little to the beautiful idea of the joy of giving. Well, of actually giving children empathy and and sensitivity toward other people. That's a hard challenge at this time of year. And it is such a good time for us to talk about this because, guess what? <laughs> we are dealing with this with our grandchildren. Um, <laughs> and on every side, we've been on the phone this morning with one of our moms who just feels kind of unappreciated. She's killing herself to do everything she can, and she just can't do enough for her kids they're not seeing what she's doing, and she's just going way beyond the mark, and they just don't see it. And then we've got another daughter who is a mom of two cute little boys in, living in London, England. And, you know, she's worried about a three-year-old that doesn't show very much empathy. <laughs> right, and they're, every child... You know, every child goes through, I guess some children are born with more sensitivity and so on. I do have to say that recently we've been in, we probably mentioned this on an earlier podcast, we've been in Arizona watching our darling special needs um, Lucy perform in a huge giant choir, millennial choir with 800 other kids and another 400 adults and so on. But there were two little girls that she has a white cane, she's losing her sight. And um, she, there were two little girls that shepherded her around. And one of the little girls just kept kind of gravitating. She was assigned to do it. So she kept gravitating over to her other friends or her mom who was standing there. And this other little girl, honestly, she stuck with her every second. She was just born with this. Yeah, I, well, people. you anticipated the first question I was going to ask, Linda. Do you think when we say empathy or sensitivity or awareness of other people, awareness of their feelings, awareness of their needs, as opposed to being self-centered all the time, do you do you think that is a, is it a genetic quality? Is it a quality kids get from their parents by, through their genes? Is Or is it a learned aptitude? Is it a skill that, that kids have to develop by seeing examples of their parents and others caring about other people and then adopting that. What, what do you think it is, or is it different for different kids? Oh, I think it's definitely different with different kids. Some are naturally like that, and some just aren't. I think both of us learned about sensitivity and, and empathy for other people by watching other people that we admired. You know, you had a girl in high school. I had a girl in high school who I was always watching. I was always noticing that she was had her arm around the one that needed the most help and was always friendly to everyone and I think that it was just a gift that came with her but I think that's when I first thought you know that is how I want to be and I I, I don't know some kids just come naturally with it and some kids have such a hard time seeing it I, I really do think it's a binary thing I think there are 
there are kids and even among our own children there are some who just were just born with an innate sense of really caring about other people and really being sort of almost a gift of being able to sense how other people feel and notice how other people feel but but having said that all kids go through particularly at certain stages in their life particularly in young adolescence there's this tendency for children to we use the analogy all the time when we're speaking of, of a mirror or a window and you know it's like if you imagine looking you're, you're say you're looking at a window but the there is there is darkness behind the window then the, the window becomes a mirror and all you see is yourself and being able to turn on that light so that you see through the window and into the needs of another person that's a that's a skill a lot of adults never learn and to to hope that children can learn it to hope that you as a parent can teach it is a pretty big challenge and you can carry that metaphor further by the way i mean you can say um you know it's it's all about light if there's light behind that glass you could think of that as divine light or the light of christ then you begin to be empathetic and of course christ even to non-christians would stand as a ultimate model of caring about the other person and always being aware of the needs of others well you know even grandparents and i don't know how many grandparents are keyed into podcasts lately but some are um but you have had such a great time with our grandkids talking to them about developing empathy in an interesting way through your grandfather's secrets uh, about popularity and non-popularity at school and that's that's usually the problem of kids element not only elementary mostly middle school and then high school of course <laughs> but, i wouldn't have thought of that but we we were teaching we were down in arizona and we were teaching a uh, a little class a little sunday school class actually with our daughter we were just there to help her out and uh there weren't they the cutest kids they were adorable 11 year 11 right? 11 year olds which is exactly the age where a lot of kids are slipping into this real self-centered sort of mirror complex where they're always about well should i be seen with you well, are you a popular kid well how will you affect me how will being around you affect my reputation there, there's all that's coming on when you're 11 or 12 or 13 but these were the cutest little kids and and just for fun, we taught them one of these grandfather's secrets, which is a simple one, right? And it goes like this. And they learned it instantly. I mean, without they, they any... Repeated there, there it, were about remembered 15 it. 15 of them. And, <clears throat> and it goes like this. Good popularity comes from being nice to everyone. And it lasts. Bad popularity comes from only being nice to certain people. And it doesn't. <laughs> doesn't last in, in other words anyway these little kids uh, you know learned it and said it a couple times and we asked them what it meant and they were great they said one little girl said oh i think it means when you're in the lunchroom and you see a, a boy or a girl sitting by themselves off in the, in the corner you go and sit by them instead of sitting by your friends i mean they're they're just well, so yeah open in fact i challenged them to do that you know i said please you know go to school tomorrow and find somebody that looks like they need a friend to sit by them and do it and then we saw them and again later yeah, we saw the same group of kids like a few days later right just at, at shawnee's house at our daughter's right, house right 
And I and, and they started telling us their experiences. Yeah, they started telling us what they were I doing. did that. One little girl came up and said, I did that. I found a girl that was by herself. I, it made me happy to make her happy. It was it was so simple and beautiful. It was really kind of profound. It was really amazing. But, you know, once you give them the tools to be outside of themselves, they usually really grasp it. I said, do you still remember that secret? And they just in unison, all 15 of them. Good popularity comes from, and they just, they said it again. So it was, it was cool. So that's, I think you just hit it on the, on the head, Linda. I think a parent, well, number one, you recognize that some children have that gift far more than others, just naturally, genetically, spiritually, whatever. And others don't. Others have a really hard time thinking of anyone but themselves. But whatever, wherever a child is on that spectrum, if you as a parent sort of make it a deliberate goal to through your own example and just through calling attention to things i mean yeah. there's there's little games you can play you know to sort of because it, it's it's really an awareness issue isn't it it is it's awareness it's how aware is a child of the people around them how exactly. aware and you can do something as simple as take a magazine and just thumb through the pages and point to the people in the in the magazine, in the ads, in the articles, whatever, anywhere there's a picture, point to a, a face and say, what do you think that person's feeling right now? And, and train a child to be able to look at a face and look at where the person is and what's going on around him in that picture, in that photo, and, and say, well, I, I think he's feeling sad. I think he's feeling left out. I think he's feeling angry i think he's feeling um frustrated whatever well and i think it works all the way through we we challenged our kids at one time when we were writing this little book that um they they should really be talking about um who look thinking about who would be um needing help at school we we just set out a challenge what do you think you do you think you can go to school and find somebody that needs some help? And we had two two or three really awesome stories about that. Yeah, I think so. So I think what we're saying is, parents, number one, don't be discouraged if you have a child who seems un- insensitive to other people, because it is natural, especially at certain phases. Number two, make it a deliberate goal not only to teach empathy and sensitivity through things like looking at faces and you know you can even make a list how many how many ways say to a child how many ways what how many emotions can you think of how many different ways of feeling and just start making a list mad angry sad happy frustrated um worried concerned and you can even have a child draw little faces of people that feel that way or look at faces or, you know, you can just get them thinking about it and you can be the example and you can do it after the fact, like after you strike up a conversation with someone or after you compliment someone and the child's there, call attention to it. Do you know why I did that? I was noticing that person and you can you know, it's, it's an awareness thing, once again. It truly is. In fact, one of our daughters in high school, we challenged all our kids at dinner, go to school and find somebody that looks like they need a friend. And she found this girl. 
she watched this girl walking around the halls in a black cape. She wore a black cape every day, black makeup. She thought, hmm, there's a problem there. And so she, but she didn't dare do it on her own. She asked a friend to go with her and sit by this girl's locker. She, they figured out where it was. They, they used to sit there and eat lunch in the days when they allowed that. But it was really such a sweet story. They started talking to this girl, kind of getting her involved in asking questions and figuring out how she felt about things and so on. And she ended up coming, taking two buses and coming up to their houses um, on weekends for parties and became such a good friend. It was really a marvelous story. And that doesn't happen every time, obviously, but just having kids looking for people yeah, yeah they, they think need some help. It's really it's awareness. Now, now, two things we want to say before we go to a brief break. One is that uh, the reason we chose this topic this week is twofold. Number one, it's Christmas, and, and there's no better time to really focus on empathy and on sensitivity and on giving than at Christmas. And after the break, we're going to get into some specific ideas on how to do that this week at Christmas. Uh, the other reason it's a topic is because, as many of you regular listeners know, we're making an effort to go through and sort of summarize all of our books, one at a time, on ours on the road. And the one we're thinking about this week is a book called Teaching Children Sensitivity. And we talked a couple of weeks ago about a book called Teaching Children Charity, which we wrote as a religious book, as a church book. And there was so much interest in it that our, our publisher in New York, our Penguin actually, uh, uh, Random House, said to us, we want that book, but in secular language. And so we converted it, so to speak, into this book called Teaching Children Sensitivity. And we're going to give you some ideas from that book and then some specific things that might help, especially during Christmas time. So hang on and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back. We're talking today about, right now, we're talking about Teaching Children's Sensitivity, which is a book that we did many years ago when our kids were all home and all at different stages of being sensitive from a, a three-year-old to uh, 16-year-old. And this is a this is a real interesting, it was an interesting book for us. It's it's the third book in a series that was done by, by Random House or by Ballantine Books, which is their paperback edition. And um, they, they did a couple of printings, and the one I'm holding now is a paperback, is a pocket book. They used to do those little, you know, paperback pocket books, small ones that were inexpensive, and you don't see those much anymore. But this one is uh, has a picture of me with Sadie, our daughter. And we're looking at a flower, and it says, Teaching Children Sensitivity, Show Your Growing Child the Beauty and Wonder of Life. And that really is what it's about. In fact, let, let us read you a brief introduction, because it sort of gets to the heart of this topic of today. Psychologists might call it empathy. Psychiatrists might say extra-centeredness. Christians may recognize it as charity and, and quote scripture that set it apart as the highest virtue. Jews as well as Christians could refer to it as the golden rule. 
Buddhists, in strikingly, strikingly similar language, would say, seeking for others, the happiness you desire for yourself. Common people with common words might just call it service. And philosophers might name it love of one's neighbor and might remind us that it's the only door out of the dungeon of self. G.K. Chesterton, who we admire so much. We have called it sensitivity, but we wish the word to mean all of the above. We believe that it can be learned and taught and it can truly can be both for adolescent children and for ourselves, the door out of the dungeon of self. Think of that quote by G.K. Chesterton, who was a mentor of C.S. Lewis, who many of us love as an author. But Chesterton said it, I'm going to repeat it. Um, love is the only door. Love and sensitivity is referring to is the only door out of the dungeon of self. And some kids, especially at certain phases in their life, really are in the dungeon of self because they're looking at everything as a mirror. And we want to help them find ways to turn that around and get outside of themselves. So we'll, we'll give a couple of general thoughts here, and then we'll talk about how to especially apply this right at Christmas time, right at this, right at this week we're in right now. We divided the book into sections, and I think there. I think you have to have kind of a structure in your mind of what you're trying to teach. Okay, the first section is understanding, and it's for parents only. It's talking about the mirror window problem and how how the ultimate solution is to be able to be more aware of other people, and then going from there, the first implementation is observing. Teaching kids how to see more, teaching them how to listen, how to, how to visualize, how to actually expand their awareness. And then the second section is on feeling, having congruence, being able to say how you feel. And by the way, don't you, Linda, you've always said this, especially uh, in giving advice to parents, that if you, if you use the word feel as a parent as much as possible, so you're not asking kids questions about how they did or how they accomplished or you're asking them how you feel and 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 using feel in your in your statements too so you're saying I feel like this and I feel like you might feel like this and just awakening kids to to more of what their feelings well are. I just just let me just mention that I just talked to a daughter this morning who was so frustrated because her kids did not realize all that she was doing. They were just wanting more and more all the time. And I said, if you sat them down and told them how you feel about it, you've, I mean, tell them, I feel like I'm not, they feel like she's not doing enough for them. And she feels like she's doing all she can. And I think if they just sit down and talk about it, I mean, she's got a part-time job and there's so many demands on her time. And I think they don't realize that sometimes I think, we just don't sit down and talk to our kids and say, this is how I feel. How do you feel? How can I be a better parent? What would make you feel better? Those feelings are so important to get out. And, and the third and final section is communicating. So in other words, the, the thesis here is if you can help a child to be a better observer, to see more, to listen better, to really be aware, that's number one. Then number two, if you can focus on feelings, and there's really three three parts to that and we actually divide it by month it's the idea of use month one on seeing month two on listening 
and, and then you move into the feeling section. Month three on congruence. How do I feel? Helping a child to recognize and verbalize his or her own feelings. And then month four, how do you feel? Asking how another person feels and trying to see it. And then, and, and then number five, how does a stranger feel? How does someone you don't have very much evidence on, you just see them, you see their face, you see their expression, you hear their voice, can you begin to guess how that person feels? And then the communication part, month six, being able to express what we see, being able to transmit what we feel. And then, of course, the very last part of the book, month eight, service. Month nine, anonymous service. So it's the implementation actually serving another person. Um, can I just ask, Did you do you know if this is on Irish Free Books? Yes. Yes, it is. It you is can, for sure. Can, so anyone who can, wants to get this whole book can go to irishfreebooks.com and just get it. You certainly can't go down to the store and buy it. Just get it free. Yeah, exactly. We don't want you to buy it. We want you to get it for free. But I wanted to think for a minute, Linda, about this, how, how you help kids be more in touch with their own feelings. And then we'll get to the Christmas ideas in a minute. But but one way, <laughs> some of you parents are going to say, oh my gosh, that sounds way too hard, way too complicated. But we, <laughs> we, we have a kind of a testimony of teaching children to write poetry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's a challenge, but except that not there's because so you much in them. Not, yeah, not because... Not because you want them to be a literary <laughs> lion or something, but because when you get a child to attempt poetry, that's, that's bringing about all these things we're talking about. They have to observe. They have to think about it. They have to try to express it. Yeah, we we found the most marvelous teacher. We had a group, a neighborhood group of kids that hired a teacher to come in. And I think there were only about four or five lessons altogether. But boy, did it affect, oh my gosh. It, it affects our kids to this day. I can still remember some of the things that they wrote. Well, let's read a couple of what they wrote. Yeah. Go ahead. Read. This is by Joshua Iyer, our son, at age 10. He wrote this poem. Vacation is a bored tiger getting freed from his nasty cage. Vacation is a raccoon freeing itself from a hunter's trap. Vacation is your friend getting out of jail. I'm not sure what that meant. Vacation <laughs> is a tree letting its leaves and branches blow free in the cool breeze. Vacation is playing my favorite free song on the piano. So one of the things I remember that poetry teacher taught is, you know, She'd give him a topic, and then she'd say, don't say it is like something. Say it is something. So vacation is not like a bored tiger. Vacation is a bored tiger. And i just read you one more by, by Josh, also at age 10. Uh, and the, the, t the assignment was loneliness. And the whole idea is how does loneliness feel? You've got to think of a way to say this that expresses a feeling. And, and little Josh wrote, Loneliness is a TV set in an old house, which is now empty. Loneliness is when you wake up in the middle of the night while everyone is asleep. Loneliness is you by yourself on a walk. That's what I think it is. Do you? <laughs> and that is such a sweet poem because uh, we learned later in life that this was, was our lonely. introvert. Yeah. yeah. And then maybe you should read Thunder by... Sadie Iyer, who was eight years old at the time. 
Thunder wanders through your dreams and sings loud and scary songs through the night. It stirs through the night dark green plants, then curls up real tight and sleeps. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That came out of an eight-year-old's mind? That must have been a fabulous teacher. Man, I don't know if you're going to be lucky enough to do that because some of our kids have tried that and they haven't had as much luck, but wow. Well, what it brings out to me, honey, is that, you know, and, and this is true of so many things with children, they have more capacity than we think they do. They can they can feel things more than we give them credit for sometimes. And, and I'm thinking, you know, as parents, and I'm not trying to put anyone on a guilt trip here, but we work so hard at teaching them certain things. We want them to get their math problems right. We really want them to be able to do well in school. We want them to be able, be able to make the little team or the drill team or the, you know, we, we just long for their accomplishment and we try to teach them aptitude, skills, abilities. But what about the biggest skill of all? What about seeing, awareness, feeling, giving, sharing, communicating? And, and I just think there is a way. And again, we invite you to be a deliberate parent and actually make it a goal to teach more empathy and sensitivity to your children. One of the byproducts of that, because we all know, that the main way our kids learn is from our example. And so it causes you to start trying to be more aware, more empathetic towards others, and then to call attention to your children of examples of that in your everyday life. Right. It's just, it's so important. And it's something that we just don't think about. Sometimes we're struggling through life and saying, ah, oh, how, how can I make this different? How can I make this work? And I think part of it is to do something different. And maybe it is to sit down and really talk about feelings with your kids and talk about how they feel, how you feel. And um, they, they, they don't have a clue how you feel unless you tell them. So let's get to Christmas ideas. It's right upon us. And again, it may be too late for you to alter the way you do Christmas. And we're not suggesting that you should. Well, there's do always that. next Christmas. There's always next Christmas. And it's just a matter of just being more aware of the giving and, and helping kids be more aware of how they feel when they give a gift to someone else. We've said this on the show before, but well, we, we, we sort of surrendered to the, I mean, we were always, oh my gosh, how do we get their minds off Santa and what they're going to get and what their list is and all the selfish stuff that goes with Christmas and all the commotion, how do we get rid of that and how do we blend it with the joy of giving, blah, blah, blah. And we finally just said, hey, we got to separate them. And so at our house, Christmas Eve was only about the kids giving their gifts. Their little gifts that they'd made or bought at the dollar store. And all the focus from us was, wow, how did you pick that out? That is so thoughtful of you. Look how you made that person feel. Oh, my goodness. And all about giving. And then Christmas Day was more about Santa. Well, I think we mentioned that last week because Shawnee was telling, we right. were actually in Arizona, right. and Shawnee was telling about her joy in giving something to us. But I think we really do underestimate kids. They And, and we have a family who the mom... And dad are so frustrated because their kids are fighting all the time. But those kids went out and bought gifts for each other. They drew names. Yeah. And and I was just talking to this mom last night, and she was just saying, the kids are so excited to give those gifts to yeah. their and, and so many of you do, do a little thing where you give a gift to the homeless or you go to an orphanage or you do something for 
a less fortunate child. And I guess our whole challenge, Linda, is as parents, let's be more aware of the conscious goal of teaching our kids empathy and sensitivity. If you want to get more, go to Ayers Free Books and, and get Teaching Children Sensitivity. Have a wonderfully Merry Christmas. We're going to be in New York City. Great place to, to spend Christmas, and we'll be broadcasting. We'll be doing our next Ayers on the Road from the Big Apple. So until then, Merry Christmas and bye-bye.